You're listening to the Legion of Substitute Podcasters, Episode 1, Secret Origins. Welcome to the first episode of the Legion of Substitute Podcasters. This is, of course, a Legion of Superheroes podcast. We've heard that there's a lot of people who struggle with figuring out which lad, lass, or boy or girl is who, and we're here to help you and to make it all easier. I'm Paul French. I'm Rick Croxton. I'm Darren Noel. You guys going to let people know who you are on the forums? I'm Paul. I'm Paul Pulatsy. Sorry, and Rick. I'm Rainbow Cloak. Rick, I don't think we heard yours. I'm Pulp Reader. Okay, there we go. There we go. That That's just so people can, can put avatars to the voices. <laughs> so, so I guess let's better. start off just talking about how we became uh, Legion fans. Uh, Rick, why don't you go first? Oh, yeah, make the old guy go first, huh? If I can hey, remember that far back. You were a Legion fan first. <laughs> oh. Uh, my Legion was back in uh, the Adventure Comics days, and uh, I remember reading a few of the old adventures with uh, the first uh, appearance of the new Legion Clubhouse, and it had the Dark Circle uh, characters in there, and it got me hooked from there. I have and I remember reading all the adventure series and uh, really read more into the Superboy Legion. And it's kept on going from there. What would you say your favorite Legion story is? Oh, it changes from time to time. Uh, I'd have to say, in a way, it's a favorite because in a way I don't like it. It's the death of Superboy. Oh, because yes. he killed off one of my favorite characters that they didn't have to kill off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think I actually I got that issue from you. Okay. I'd been looking for it for ages, and uh, we did a trade over the forum. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Darren, how about yourself? Well, I started reading when the Legion actually got its own title, um, and it had the Legion of Superheroes across the front, and it was that issue where Sunboy and Dr. Regulus are throwing down, and all the other Legionnaires are unconscious. So I figured, hey, let's pick this up. And um, since then, I read all the way through the end of the Baxter era and the five-year gap and some of the Archie Legion, and I have recently gotten back to it with the, um, the three-boot kids. <laughs> well, for me, it was... Um... That is what we're calling them, right? The three-boot? Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Because, you know, you, it, people were calling it the Wade Kitson run, but Wade and Kitson haven't been on the book in ages. Exactly. So there's no point in calling them that anymore. <laughs> exactly. So uh, for me, the first thing I rem the first thing I, I remember ever seeing the Legion in was in the barber shop, and it was one of those you know the cover is off it uh, kind of things, um, and you know the cover and like half of the pages were missing, and it was that uh, that adult Legion uh, story, and uh, which was in Adventure. Ooh. Um, Adventure 354 and 355. So what I had was clearly like a, a reprint copy. 
because I think it had the whole story in it. And um, and so I read that. Didn't know who any of these characters were, but thought it was really cool. So a couple of years later, um, I'm in a I'm in a bookstore, and they had um, those old tour books, you know, that where they used to take com a bunch of comics and they would reprint them, and they would basically fit like two panels to a page. You guys remember those? Uh yeah. Totally. Yeah, so so they had one of those, and it was a it was a Superboy and the Legion one, and it had that famous picture that I think Neil Adams drew of all of them flying up, sort of on an angle to uh, you know from the bottom uh, left hand side of the page to the top uh, top right hand side, and you had Superboy kind of waving. So it was a picture that had all all these all of the Legionnaires at the time, and this would have been like seventy seven, seventy eight, somewhere around there. And uh, and I remember reading this thing and thinking, you know, these these are really cool. And it had like a, I think there was a Mordru story in there, and there was a story about Lana Lang as the insect queen. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's the one where she loses the ring that changes her back into uh, into Lana Lang, and they're trying to find it, and it turns out it was oh, in, yeah. it was in Superboy's cape all along, and uh, which tells us something about Light Lass's powers. She doesn't actually have to see the object; she just has to think about it. Apparently. <laughs> So um, anyway, so so I picked that up and really and really love that. But the first actual issue uh, of the Legion I picked up would have been, I guess, like two fifty six. It was where where they had the uh, "This Is Your Life, Brainiac 5. and uh, was where he'd been driven crazy after the whole Omega thing. And um, <laughs> that's a messed up comic right there. <laughs> oh my god! It, yeah, because it was basically like the life. It was the life story of Brainiac Five, and um, you know had uh, you know his his father really just not you know where he got into a fight with kids at school, and his father was really really pissed off at him. And uh, it kind of tells you like that whole sort of it's still that Silver Age mentality of you know alien races. They're just like us. They go to school and stuff. And hey, what what did Kaluans fight about in school anyway? I mean, it's not like they can look at each other and call each other nerds. It was because he was the twelfth level. Uh, um, yeah, exactly. But he was a twelfth level intelligence. And he was smarter than all the rest of them, and that and so they oh, they were beating. So he him was up. the nerdiest of the nerds. That's <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. It was a bunch of alpha nerds beat him up. So, um, so I picked that up, and then of course, what, what like two issues later was. Um, when the Psycho Man came to call, and uh, and then that's when when Superboy was out of the book forever. They said, "Yeah, yeah until the Great Darkness Saga." <laughs> <laughs> well, until uh, he, he came back a little before that. Well, yeah, he made some appearances, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, so so. That's that's pretty much when I started, and I was hooked. And and I, I you know, and and around that same time, they started. Um, they had the DC Blue Ribbon Digest. And I remember getting the digest that had like a bunch of Legion stories in it. And, um, you know, it had like the first story and I uh, had the um, the first shooter story. So the uh, the Sun Eater story and, and a whole bunch of them. And it was and, and I, was, I just loved it. So I started and then they started reprinting uh, the Legion Adventures. Adventure Comics went digest and they started reprinting them uh, in chronological order right from the very beginning. And um, and so that's when I got to know sort of the uh, the uh, the side of the Legion that uh, that you didn't see as much anymore, because, you know, in the stories I was reading, they all pretty much got along. 
Um, and uh, so you never, you know, you didn't see as much of the infighting that you used to see way back. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know. Yeah, it's kind of scary that they, you know, they wrote these people as 1950s, 1960s teenagers. Were our parents really that bitchy to each other? <laughs> Exactly. Because they're always throwing somebody out of the clubhouse every issue early on. It's like someone's a traitor, someone's done this, and someone's done that. And it's like, you're not going to have any members left by the end of this issue. <laughs> exactly. What about whenever uh, somebody came in a couple minutes late and they go and practically read in the riot act? It, oh, so exactly. Exactly. There was, um, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, you look at some of those early stories, and there, were, and there, there were just there were just some crazy things going on, as far as the, um, as far as it all happened with you know with you know silly infractions of rules and, and that kind of thing. And it's not until you read sort of later stories where they start uh, where they start to sort of get it together a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite one of those is an example is the one where Dream Girl makes her first appearance. Yeah, and she had she had her premonition of seven legionnaires are going to die and she joins the legion all the boys fall for her and vote for her for membership and all the women are all ticked off about it and she uses the legion constitution to throw out the seven members who are going to get killed yes all in one issue i was like wow paul levitz would have dragged that out for 12 issues <laughs> and, and i don't even want to speculate on how long they draw it out now um even oh god you know, this is as good a time as any to 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 do sort of a little re review or a or run through that first story in Adventure Two Forty Seven, because exactly what you've just talked about is is what I think of with that story. Um, you know, on that first page, that was like three issues worth of stuff now, or at least an issue's worth of stuff now. <laughs> you know, it, it, on that on that on that very first, uh, well, uh, you know, after the the little splash page, but when when you get to the first actual yeah. story page. And, uh, you know, in the first panel, you, you see, you know, this mysterious red haired guy saying, uh, saying, hello, hello, Superboy to Clark Kent. Then the third panel, you got this dark haired guy. In the fourth panel, you've got uh, you've got the, the blonde girl saying it. You got to figure. That's a whole issue's worth of story now. Oh, totally. <laughs> because in the interim, he would have gone to school, met Lana, gone to work at the shop for Pa, you know, and put up some groceries and had some angst, you know. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's a full day right there. Well, in the second panel, you got uh, Clark changing into Superboy. Yeah. You know, at home. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> exactly. a couple pages there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really funny. On that first page, you've got, you know, that in the in the quickest comic book now, in the in the fastest paced comic now, um, you'd have that reveal at the end of page uh, of that first page. That reveal would have been, and then it'd be to be continued. Oh, absolutely. That would have been at the end of the first issue. <laughs> oh, this could have been a long series. See, there's one. <laughs> exactly. And and so so they just stop canceling it. <laughs> oh, exactly. And or and or rebooting. I think someone actually posted a story online that this issue number fifty of the three boot would be issue number seven hundred. Really? Of the Legion as it stands right now. I I'd have to go back and make sure I I found that right, but that's what I read. 
there was a site that um, like, wow 700 it's right it's right behind action and detective for crying out loud seriously there's there was yeah because there was a site that you sent me that uh that where they had taken like those those um l numbers like the mm-hmm. back in during the Archie Legion when it was back and forth between the two titles, they adopted the whole Superman triangle uh, process so that you could keep track of which one comes first and all that. And oh, and you they, mean continuity? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Back when stuff like that mattered. <laughs> so we'll get into um, that later. Absolutely. So, so you get onto the, but, but at any rate, you know, it's, it, yeah, I mean, they've been around a long time. Um, and, you know, I mean, we have, we are, of course, in the, in the, uh, in the midst of the, well, in the midst, toward the end of the, uh, the 50th anniversary of the Legion. In fact, uh, Adventure Comics 247 came out April of 58. So we're just a few months past that 50th anniversary. And of okay, course, so- we have their, prototype issue yeah let's talk about that a little bit um i i haven't had a chance to sort of read through it um but um so rick tell us about adventure adventure 237 uh 237 is uh you know dc kind of trying out the legion with the uh intergalactic vigilantes and it's uh i believe the title was uh war of the world robots yeah and it's you know, it's one of those very forgettable. I mean, uh, I have been looking for it for years, and I I saw it several years ago, and I got a, let's say, borrowed copy right now. That uh, I kind of loaned to you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> and I get it. It's not going farther than that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's just a real quick throwaway story. I don't want to give away anything in case somebody really wants to go for it. I mean, a really major Legion fan, Legion fan like ourselves would, would go for it. But, uh, right. It's basically, you've got a couple of guys, about three people in there and you don't have no names to who they are. They're just going to help out Superboy because, uh, his enemy is uh, using a kryptonite bomb and they're trying to save him by making robot doubles of everybody in Smallville. And making a duplicate Smallville. <laughs> huh. A device that they will use again. And again. And again. And again. <laughs> so uh, so looking you back gotta at... figure, the people in Smallville have to be as dumb as sawdust, don't you? <laughs> For years. <laughs> totally. <laughs> How much crime could happen in small? I, mean, I live in Kansas myself, but how much crime could happen in well, Smallville? Then, then, Rick, tell us how much crime happens in Kansas, like the whole state. Not as much as happens in bigger. I mean, I live in, uh, in the Kansas City area. So uh, if you look at Smallville, the TV series, that's sort of like Metropolis. Right. And uh, – <laughs> I think Smallville, the TV series, can't decide if Smallville is within sight of Metropolis or miles away. <laughs> it depends on what the script calls for. In Kansas, are too small to really have a Superboy. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. So, where do you think that came from, then? Like, where? where I mean, it's 
I guess I guess part of it's just to sort of have that whole contrast between between Superboy and Superman, of course. And uh, I, I just think it's interesting that you know it was like okay, he has to be the complete opposite. So he he'll live in the smallest town. In fact, we'll even call it that. We'll call it Smallville. Well, you know, on the splash page here, Paul, it says the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. Absolutely. So it's kind of one of those one of those things where you you get the feeling, and I'm not sure about my history, but whether or not Siegel and Schuster in DC were in heavy throes of legal battle at this point or not. But I honestly think the Legion evolved out of the need to get Superboy out of Smallville. Mm, interesting. Because Smallville is dull. Let's face it. Yeah. There's only so many times Lana can almost discover who Clark is. So they had to get him out of Smallville somehow and yet not make him Superman in these stories. You know what? I think I actually read that Superboy story where Lana tried to figure out his secret identity or actually trick him into revealing it. You remember that one? Uh, which one of the many hundreds of times she appeared? That was most of them. <laughs> there's there's actually a, a Legion story where she's trying to figure out who Super who Superboy really is. So there's a cover with uh, Lana using a uh, Superboy detection kit or something like that. Looks like a big suitcase <laughs> and a detection kit, you know, or identity detection, yeah, detection kit. And the worst part is, she would have had to have bought it from the uh, from from the Smallville General the Store. Smallville General Store, exactly. Which was Pa Kent's store, <laughs> or was it by then? I think it was. I think they were off. Yeah, the it by was. Then. Yeah. yeah. According to this right here, he's uh, stocking the shelves. Yeah. On a two thirty seven issue. Yeah. Uh, he does have a store. There you go. And that's one he, he discovers about the bomb. <laughs> crazy um <clears throat> okay so so getting back to uh to adventure 247 um you know it looks it looks like the idea of having other superheroes for superboy to to interact with is is what they're going for here it's like you say it's let's let's get him out of smallville it's let's have him dealing with people his own age who are going through the same things i.e having superpowers and it looks like they had tried to get that with that that uh with the vigilante group uh in 237 and so it looks like they kind of refined the idea a bit for this uh um you know uh, sort of 10 months later yep i'd agree with that yeah so of course they they travel through to um Hey, here's an interesting thing. And and something I hadn't really thought of, but when you get down to it, um the Legion at the time was in 30th century Smallville. No, not really because uh if you look on page I got the archives. Page yeah. four. Well, page three. They're saying they're in Smallville one, you know, one thousand years from now. Yeah. This is uh, holy cow. Smallville is a super city now. And Cosmic Boy goes, "No, it's still just a town, Superboy. You should see, you know, the big cities of this future time." Yeah. Okay, they're still touring, touring, and they go it to school. Really it doesn't really it. say. No, it doesn't really say because I was looking through here. But I do have one of is. 
Okay, now if you look on page uh, three, yeah, panel one, look at Cosmic Boy's left arm, where it says Superhero Club. Yes. Mm -hmm. You never <laughs> see that patch again. You're right. If you well, look you on, never see. Because if you look on on page four, panel three, you see that same arm without that patch. Okay, I'm on page four. You sure? Yeah. Because all you got is headshots. No, it's a different arm. That's a different arm. That's no, a, no, it's not. That's He's different turned around. Actually, I'm sorry. You're right. It's the same arm. Yeah. It's his left arm. There's no yeah. patch. Yeah, it, they, they forgot because it reappears on the next page. <laughs> see the middle panel on page five? Yeah, that patch is there again. Yeah, I do see it. You can just kind of bear. Yeah, page six. I mean, uh, panels uh, six and seven have them. Yeah, and it's pretty much show, look. I'm just leafing through the rest of the issue, and it pretty much shows up there. I also noticed though that he's the only one wearing it. <laughs> I just about ready to say the yeah, same thing. Exactly. That's uh, the one that makes it the leader. It's the leader patch. Yeah. Uh, now the comic about the Saturn girl earlier. About her, uh, her costume. Oh yeah. Well, all... Sorry, go ahead, Rick. Uh, you know how she's got a completely different costume in two forty-seven than she does in uh in the other issue. And it's uh, I believe her name was wasn't it Metallo or Metalla? Mentala, yeah. Metalla. She shows up in the Baxter run as one of the Legion applicants who is rejected. Right. And it's the same costume that she, you know, that Saturn girl wore in this one. But in the next issue, I mean, next appearance, uh, Saturn girl has her classic red and white with a Saturn on it. Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, Lightning Boy. Lightning Boy lightning goes away after yeah, this, too, and he gets Lightning Lad. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, the, uh, of course, at, at the beginning, they made it much easier for you to tell who was who because they actually had their name written um, right on their chest. Right. <laughs> Which means that they were eight. Yes. How old were you when your parents stopped writing your name on your clothing? That's all I'm asking. Yeah, and I, I have guess... to ask him. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And, of course, uh, at, the, at the table... They have little signs to tell them what their powers are. <laughs> and that lasted for and a while. Everything starts with super. Yes. Yes, in fact, I, I believe Karate Kid, when he joined later on, was, was in fact gifted with the ability of super karate. Super karate. You know, that, that panel on page five, um, this, this became the beginning of, and I'm going to talk about continuity here for a second. Mm -hmm. We joined the Legion in process in this story. This is their first appearance, but they've been doing this for a little bit now. The, Correct. the four heads that are on the other side of the table that are in shadow, this is where we start finding out which Legionnaires are also members at this point. And many people have speculated that those, the first three are actually triplicate girl. Oh, really? All tripled out. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, since it's a male's head, but it's kind of really out of scale, that's, that's Colossal Boy. Now, if you go to page 11, you do have uh, three Legionnaires. One is obvious, Brainiac 5. Oh, yeah, that's Brainy. Right between yeah, Superboy and Saturn Girl? Yeah. On the, uh, the page 11, like it could be Mon-El. So. That's why I was thinking. It looks like Mon-El almost. 
And uh, but the guy when he gets back to us, it's I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I have no he, idea who that is either. I mean, it could be anybody. That could be our mysterious kid, Quantum. There you go. There you go. Yeah, he's never appeared in the the old legion. Oh, and of course they give him a little uh, badge. It lets everybody know. The very last page. We have to say they have flying packs in this one, so their their ability to fly early on was really a reflection of what we thought in the fifties and sixties, man was going to be able to do. Absolutely. They always got their little flying packs on, and and they look very retro, you know, space age Sputnik, Jetsony type of kids in this issue. Now, how long did uh, uh, Cosmic Boy, how long did he have the magnetic eyes before it became to his hands? The magnetic eyes? This is their only appearance. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, the next issue, I mean, the next appearance, the next issue they're in, uh, on the splash page, he's got oh, yeah. the magnetic he's eyes. It, there. it didn't Just last long. But uh, Lightning Lad is in his classic Lightning Lad outfit, and so is Saturn Girl. Uh, Cosmic Boy kind of looks like the same outfit as he was. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, as he was in the first issue, but not quite the, you know, the it, pinky. It's tighter fitting. Now, the third appearance has got Supergirl. Third issue. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, that's with, uh, with, uh, with Jim Mooney's art. And that's basically kind of a rehash of the, uh, of, of the Adventure 247 with, obviously with a few differences, but, uh, but you know, it's basically it's kind of that. Let's do that again. Yes. Here's here's something. Just go, going back to uh, to two forty seven. Lightning boy, as he was called at the time. Uh, when they when they go to do their their little task, you know, he's competing with Superboy, um, to uh, to get the the spaceship to turn around, and that is the uh, the. The, the, I guess the, the freighter um, that had left for Mars, and it's the Nova Express, which, of course, some of us will recognize as uh, it's the, the newspaper in Watchmen. Okay. And, um, but, but here's the important thing, is that Lightning Boy, in order to get them to turn around, does his, his uh, electrical, uh, um, I don't know, sky, electric skywriting. And he uses these special lightning flashes that don't fade out for 10 seconds to make this sign. Now, I read that message, and I know, like, a, if I'm trying to sign, send a text message on a cell phone, there's no way I can type that thing that fast. <laughs> and he well, does it. For a reason. He does it with, with, with Nova Express, your fuel tank is leaking with explanation <laughs> points. Return for repairs. Yeah, Boy's it, got it's very important to have grammar in the 30th century. Yes. And punctuation in the right places. <laughs> yes, and this is, of course, in the days before Interlac, right? <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> okay, so our first three Legionnaires, obviously, and as, we, as you said, Darren, we, we, we're joining the Legion in progress here. Our first three Legionnaires were, of course, Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad, and Saturn Girl. So let's let's sort of go into the into a bit of sort of legion continuity history. 
you know, and we'll we'll deal with each era, uh, you know, in and of its own merits. But uh, but let's let's sort of start, um, Darren. Do you want to take the story of how they uh, how they first came together? Sure. Um, Cosmic Boy is um, Rock Crin of Brawl, and we can we can argue pronunciation until the cows come home. Let's just go with it. Um, he, at the age of I believe fourteen, he was of age on his home planet. And Brawl is a, a planet where all the inhabitants have magnetic abilities. And he went off to um, basically earn a fortune um, in the Magno Ball tournaments. And this is all fleshed out in each subsequent origin story. Right. Um, on his way, on his space journey to Earth, he meets up with a young youth from Wyneth or Wyneth. Mm-hmm. And that would be Garth Rands, um, the red-haired lightning lad. And they strike up a, a friendship really quickly. And what we don't know yet about Garth is that he's looking for his older brother who has gone mysteriously missing. And then they make a quick stop on Titan, which is one of Saturn's moons, and pick up this hot blonde telepath, Imra Ardeen of Titan. And immediately Lightning Lad is agog with, with the love bug. And thus begins the first Legion Rome. And she is there, and she is heading to Earth to join the science police. And along with her, a, a famous philanthropist, um, moneymaker named Rene Jacques Brand, or RJ Brand to us, is also on there with his um, entourage of folks. And they are making their way to the Metropolis spaceport. Upon disembarking from the Metropolis spaceport, Santa Girl picks up um, thoughts of assassination and murder, and she cries out that someone is about to assassinate Mr. Brand, to which point Cosmic Boy uses his powers to reflect the bullets that were heading to RJ, and Lightning Lad uses his electrical abilities in order to subdue the um, two would-be assassins. And RJ says, well, thank you for saving my life, and here's a whole bunch of money in order for you to fund a club um, called the Legion of Superheroes. And that's basically the 32nd or longer version of how the Legion of Superheroes was actually founded. Perfect. <laughs> um, Does that make sense? Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not that right complicated. <laughs> always wonder why would R.J. Brand, the richest man in the universe, not have his own private ship? That's yeah. a very good question. I th- why I- did he get on that? And I don't know if they, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's like you say, they kind of flesh it out further with every retelling of the origin. Um, I believe it was issue eight of the five-year gap series. They kind of did a flashback to that, and uh, and there, there were a couple of neat little uh, little asides in there. Um, in that, uh, you know, they, so they they it's the whole thing where they where they stop the. Uh, the crime they actually had fleshed out a little bit you know further who it was that was trying to kill him and um and and they actually had a, a really cute sequence where they were fitting them with their costumes and they were and you know here oh here's here's the new costumes and uh, and you had them looking at the adventure 247 costume so lightning boy with the green yellow and red costume and uh, they were just like no way <laughs> New costume day is always an exciting day at the Legion headquarters. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> now, I remember uh, reading about their first time. Uh, Cosmic Boy was uh, coming to Earth 
so he could make some money. I mean, that's before he became the Magnum Ball champion. Yeah. That's one of the later retellings. But his first time, they, he was coming to Earth so that he could uh, get a job mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, his home planet was kind of like important. an impression. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because I was reading um, Superboy and the Legion uh, 212 earlier today, and it's where they have the um, a bun- the bunch of rejects that are all from, you know, homeworlds of, of various Legionnaires. And uh, so you had Magno Boy. I think that was his first appearance. And um, he... Um, at the time, and basically, uh, Cosmic Boy refers to him as as oh oh he's you know the he's like a champion of the Magno Olympics back on Brawl. The Magno yeah. Olympics, of course, would later be replaced by just Magno Ball. Yep. And then, now, who do we have for uh, Saturn Girl? Was that Mentala? In that issue, I you know what I no that was Esper last. I was Esper last. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've I got the book. I think it was and um, Phantom Lad. Yeah. Who, yeah. Was, who needed to wear more clothing. Um, <laughs> Micro Lad made his first appearance. Um, right. And he would become a major shrinking violet villain later. Yeah. And um, I think Calorie Queen from Bismol to fight mm-hmm. good old Matter Eater Lad was right. in that episode issue as well. Esperlas has got to be the worst and, and i mean they've had some bad names but esperlas really well it's esp or last but are you going to say that no it's esper so esp i don't know if that's any better uh, it's not it's not that's why we all say esper and of course calorie queen and matter eater lad Calorie I mean, Queen was kind of cool because she actually she had the same ability as Matter Eater Lad, but she, when she ate something, she got strength from it. And poor old Tensel didn't get anything out of his yeah. chomping down on the iron bars to let them escape yet again. So, it tastes like chocolate. Well, what would chocolate taste like to you? <laughs> tastes like titanium. So, what do um, now Calorie? She showed up later on, though, didn't she? Yeah, I believe she was yeah. his assistant in the five-year gap. That's what I thought right. Right, back when he when he became uh, uh, Tenzel for the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really get into that five-year gap issues that much. <laughs> I got them. I just wasn't that crazy about them. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a fairly polarizing run, and I, I find there's there's few people who just kind of like it a little. I do like some of the characters they had in there in the five year. Uh huh. I mean, uh, they had some pretty good stuff. Uh, Kent Shakespeare was interesting. Great character. Oh, yeah. And uh, Laurel Gand. Yeah. She was good. Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> but without uh, the baggage. What it, oh, what was they calling her? Andromeda. Yes. Monel's uh, cousin, or Valor. She was a, a a direct. No, she wasn't his cousin. <clears throat> she was a, di- well, a, did, a a descendant. Kind of a cousin, and you know, several times removed. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. 
yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> in this sort of first timeline to remove. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. So, so in the first, uh, in, in you know, in the early days of the Legion, of course, as we said, there was uh, there was a whole lot going on as far as they were. They were very much like like it's it's like you said earlier, I think, Darren, where where it's like you know, were they really like that back then? You know, as far as the uh, just just the 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 sort of infighting and bitchiness that went on. The mean spirits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were very mean spirited in the early days. It actually reads kind of like a, a Leave It to the Beaver episode. Between very much. Beaver and and a Wally, you know, the next door neighbor kid was or Eddie, Eddie Haskell. Eddie, Eddie Haskell. Kind of yeah. reads like that to me, you know, it in does. a way where they were like buds, but yet Eddie was always playing mean tricks on people. You know, it's like okay, very musketeerish, you know, in a way. Yeah, I can remember one time where uh, Superboy has this really, like, mad look because somebody did not appear in time. He's like a couple minutes late, like, don't give me your excuses. It's like, <laughs> get over it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it says the boy I mean, with super speed, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, he just like, you know, say, you know you, you're two minutes late, you know. You're, uh, you got so many demerits or something <laughs> Ah uh, yes, yeah. You start doing that to me. It's like I think I'll go and join some other club. You know. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> at the beginning, the Legion was Darren. We're, we're losing you. Are we losing you? You're losing me. Oh, there you are. Oh, there we go. We found you. Okay, I haven't done anything. I promise. I think you maybe got lot. Maybe you stepped out of the time bubble for a second and got stuck in the time stream. Oh, you would have been able. You would have been able to tell because all of the the you would have seen all the big numbers. Because when you travel through time in the uh, <laughs> in the DC Silver Age, you get that rainbow of color that has gears printed on it. So you know it's, it's like it's like the rings of a tree. And I guess you just sort of pick the one you want and go in there. I don't know. Well, I'm I'm all about the rainbow, Paul. So you know, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true. So, so, so basically, what we see in this in this first issue is there's a legion hazing. Very much. You know, a, a new member doesn't just join; they get hazed in, and uh, even even <laughs> if they're Superboy. Oh yeah, especially if they're Superboy. Yeah, let's go and get the guy who can just go and rip you in half. Manage. <laughs> yeah, All right. that's a smart deal. And and I love the way he kind of gets his own back at them, you know, by by using their own abilities to uh, to to solve a problem. Now I have a little something here. Yeah, go to page eleven. 247. Yeah. One, two, three. Let's see. Well, the very bottom part where Lightning Lad or Boy is uh, knocking a hole in the zoo. You know, we're talking, you know, damaging uh, public park. Oh, yeah. You know, total public vandalism. Public total Absolutely. vandalism. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's no wonder later on the, uh, the science police were iffy about the Legion. Where Cosmic Boy brings down with his magnetic vision an old satellite. 
it's not being used. <laughs> but you've got Saturn girl saying, attention, Superboy robot, I command you to become a runaway. I mean, how smart is that? <laughs> and that, that in and of itself is, uh, you know, so her t- telepathy worked on a robot? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Obviously, their powers would need to be refined with future storytelling. I think that's an understatement. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't think we I don't think we see the lightning skywriting ever again. For instance, it's too hard to do. And it looks like you'd have to have it pretty huge. But if you look at uh, page ten, the first letter he puts up for A, it. This look much about the same size as Lightning Boy himself. Perhaps it too. it grew as it flew up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny, and I'm not going to tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so of course, the story was written by Otto Binder, and. Um, a little bit about about him. He was he was actually more of a uh, a sci-fi guy. He used to write a lot of uh, non-fiction UFO books. Uh, born August 26, 1911 in Bessemer, Michigan. And uh, his family had actually emigrated from Austria just a year earlier and settled in Chicago in 1922. And uh, he and his brother were really really huge fans of uh, of science fiction and started writing in partnership, and they actually sold their fir- first story to Amazing Stories in 1930. Um, and it was actually credited to Iando Binder, which was the E of his brother Earl, and the O of, of Otto, so E and O Binder. So, so basically, um, they, they they were you know this writing was not enough for them to live on so they worked on many jobs in addition to the uh, writing work and Earl ended up finding work at the Ironworks and so Otto kind of Otto kind of took over the uh, the writing side of things uh, but and used the name Eando Binder for for quite a while uh, at any rate um, he was uh, he was he was basically writing for a few uh, different. Uh, uh, magazines, um, and actually Mort Weisinger was one of the uh, editors that he was working for over at Thrilling Wonder Stories. And this is kind of interesting. The uh, editor of uh, Amazing Stories was actually named Ray Palmer. <laughs> was he short? <laughs> um, I and, believe he was. And so another interesting part is that... Hold on, um, hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Which Ray Palmer? <laughs> Which Ray Palmer? Oh, oh goodness! There's only 51 to choose from now. You know. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I just spoil 52? Sorry. No, no. You you went and spoiled Countdown. As well, if that could be done. You know what? What book? What? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm um, sorry, that book doesn't exist in my continuity. <laughs> anyway, Otto Binder um, wrote the. Uh, Actually, for Ray Palmer, he wrote a series called Adam Link and included a story, a short story called iRobot, which inspired Isaac Asimov's positronic robot, Robbie. 
So, of course, uh, Otto Binder, best known for his comic book work, uh, which is something that he started in um, in 1939. He went to work for Fawcett Comics, and so he used to write Captain Venture, Golden Arrow, Bullet Man. Um... Oh. Hey, my computer was just going kind of crazy there. Anyway, um... <laughs> so and of course, uh, then... It's computer. After he'd written a, a few, uh, <laughs> written a few stories for, after about a year, um, he ended up uh, tackling Fawcett's most notable character, which was, of course, Captain Marvel. Uh, so he worked for twelve years on him, wrote nine hundred and eighty-six stories from nineteen forty-one to nineteen fifty-three. Wow! Yeah. Um, he also co-created, along with uh, Mark Swayze and C.C. Beck, characters such as Mary Marvel, Uncle Dudley, Mr. Talkie Tawny, Black Adam, and Mr. Mind, as well as Dr. Savannah's evil progeny, Savannah Jr. and George Savannah. Is that Georgia? I- I'm just going by what, the- what they've got on here. It's, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I believe his daughter was Georgia. Ah, so that's a, that's, that's a typo, obviously, then. Um... Anyway, so so he did all all of all of this stuff, and then of course, uh, as we know, um, Fawcett went under. Uh, but then he uh, he actually did some work for Timely, uh, which of course better known these days as uh, as Marvel. And he co-created Captain Wonder, The Young Allies, uh, Tommy Time, and Miss America, which was a female version of Captain America. And he wrote for Captain America, The Human Torch, Submariner, Destroyer, The All Winner Squad, and Wizard. Um, then he went over to Quality Comics and co-created Kid Eternity. Um, also wrote for Black Hawk, Dollman, Uncle Sam, and Black Con- Condor. And um, did some work for Archie Comics, or at the time it was known as MLJ. Wrote for Steel Sterling, The Shield, The Hangman, and The Black, uh, and the Black Hood. And he also did some work for Gold Key. You know, Paul, you just said something really interesting to me, that he, he created Kid Eternity at Quality. Yep. Because I always thought Kid Eternity was part of Wiz Comics with because in DC, Kid Eternity seems to always be put in with the Marvel family, kinda sorta. And I wonder they made if... him into uh well what it was, they made him into uh Freddie Freeman's brother. That's later right. Later on, but it was okay. he is from quality. Well uh okay. in your is from Fawcett. And and actually, well, you a lot, learn something new every day. There you go. And a lot of that was actually in the Adventure Digests that when they started reprinting those um, uh, those the Legion stories in chronological order, they also had a a, a, um, a Captain Marvel or a Shazam feature. Sorry, and um, with art by Don Newton, and uh, and it got into a lot of that whole. Now they now he's discovered that Kid Eternity is his uh, is his is. His, Freddie Freeman's brother, and he was Kit Freeman, I believe, was his name. Right. <laughs> so, so Binder went to work for, and and you know, I wonder if part of it was, hey, Otto Binder co-created Kit Eternity, and he is known, you know, he was known for years to do a lot of writing for um, uh, Captain Marvel and the Marvel family. So maybe that's why they kind of just stuck with that. I don't know. Maybe that's why they grouped them together. Anyway, uh, plus if you, I'm sorry, uh, if you ahead. look at uh, Kitty. Kitty Eternity and Captain Marvel Jr. They do look a lot similar. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you know, artists. So it's 
So um, he went to work for DC Comics uh, at the time, of course, known as National Periodical Publications in 1948 and created Mary, Girl of a Thousand Gimmicks. Uh, in, and that was in uh, The Star Spangled Kid. Um, and of course... And that's M-E-R-R-Y. Right? That's correct. And then he went to onto his best-known DC work on the Superman titles. Of course, in addition to writing the first Legion of Superhero story, he also introduced Jimmy Olsen's Signal Watch in the pages of the first issue of Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. And then in issue 31, he introduced Jimmy's Elastic Lad identity. He also wrote the first tales featuring the supporting Superman characters Lucy Lane, Beppo the Super Monkey, Titano the Super Ape, and, of course, Supergirl. He was also noted for creating Brainiac, the Phantom Zone, um, and Crypto the Superdog. And then um, uh, E. Nelson Bridwell also credits him as creating the first imaginary tale for Lois Lane and writing most of the early Bizarro stories, including, at the very least, the first tales of the Bizarro world feature. So um, I guess it's fair to say that he is a major architect of the Superman mythos. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I guess he was kind of uh, Weisinger's right hand man, really. Um, you, you look at. Uh, obviously, it was mostly with with Superman because uh, Legion wise, he didn't do much beyond the uh, the first story, really. Yeah, I think there's like almost about a year's difference between the first story and the second one. Yeah, April 1958, the second one came out December 1959, and that was by uh, Jerry Siegel and, and George Papp. I mean, you look at it really in the first few years of the Legion, it was, um, it was basically Jerry Siegel and then Ed, Edmund Hamilton. So, and Hamilton is uh, known for his uh, Captain Future. Yes, yeah. I, I actually I can't even remember who he was married to, but... Uh, his wife was a, was an actress of some renown, and uh, and and it's escaping me at the moment, but um, yeah, it, 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 he you know he was it, a lot of these guys were you know big on the on the science fiction side and uh, and got into writing comic books on the side really. Um, so Binder briefly quit comics in late 1960 and became the editor of Space World magazine, and then came back to comics in 1964. Uh, finally leaving again in 1969 and devoting the rest of his life to science fiction. Um, he would also merge the two areas in 1973 by adapting some classic science fiction stories into comics form for a paperback publisher. So the titles included Frankenstein, The Invisible Man, The Time Machine, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and The Mysterious Island. Um, and he died in Chestertown, New York uh, in October of 1974, uh, leaving behind a wealth of fine writing in the form of several classic science fiction works and almost 50,000 pages of comics. Wow. Over 13, that, that includes over 1,300 scripts for Fawcett and more than 2,000 for 20 other publishers, including some 93 heroes in 198 magazines. That's a huge collection. Seriously. Now, just as, a, as one note, at the end of the article, it says Binder's name was pronounced with a short I sound. So I've been saying Binder all the way through. It's Binder. It's Binder? Otto Binder. And where did you find this article at? Oh, on the, uh, the, the 
I found it on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I thought you might have found it in magazines. <laughs> no, I, I was gonna. I, I'm sure they've got a lot of that stuff in the uh, in the Legion Companion, but uh, you know, I've got the screen in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I had a companion myself. I haven't. I need to reread it again. Ah, oh, it's great. It's fantastic. You know, there, there's, you know, for anyone who's, uh, who's, who's listening, who's really trying to uh, figure out where to start with the Legion. Um, I, I, I think my first recommendation would be getting that uh, that trade, the Legion of Superheroes, one thousand and fifty years of the future, because um, it's a good cross section of all eras. But the the two morals companions you really can't beat as far as as. Uh, getting a, a great overview of, of all eras of a character and all the things that were kind of going on behind the scenes. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Now there's two different books out, uh, the Legion Companion and the best of a uh, Legion outpost. Yes. No, I, had ordered, uh, I, I ordered the best of the Legion outpost. I'm um, so I'm just waiting for that one to, uh, to ship out. Cause uh, that is a great book that is all about the, the reputation that Legion fans have of being just completely rabid about the Legion. And it's really through their devotion that we're still reading Legion comics today. Or else at this point, they probably would have appeared in like a, a few panels in Crisis. And then that would have been it. I don't even think they would have appeared yeah, that exactly. far if it wasn't for fans. Uh, because this Legion outpost uh, really the Legion out. If it wasn't for them, uh, a lot of things that happened in the Legion never would have happened. Characters probably were invented because of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they, you know, the writers would allow the fans to elect a new leader of a Legion. I voted for Wildfire some- every time. <laughs> yeah, he was one of my favorites. Good old <laughs> Herb one. <laughs> okay so so really you know I, I didn't want to get too deep into the uh into the sort of second and third stories because i wanted to you know give our our i know that our um mystery fourth member uh, had uh had, had been reading the early stories so i, I kind of you know, wanted to leave him in the loop for it. So we can we can sort of further discuss the uh, prisoner of the superheroes uh, a little later on um like well, we'll do that in our in our second episode, I guess. And um, but uh, but really, you know, I, I think there's there's one other creator that needs to be acknowledged for the beginning of the Legion, and that is the artist Al Plastino, who is still with us. In fact, um, he was born in 1921, wow. and um, best known as one of the most prolific Superman artists of the 1950s, along with Wayne Boring. And he also worked as a writer, editor, letter, letterer, and colorist. Um, basically, he was interested in art since uh, since grade school, and um, won several prizes from Youth Today magazine. And they hired him when he was seventeen. Uh, he went to work for Funnies Inc., where he actually helped out Bill Everett with Sub- the Submariner, and then went on to become the penciler and inker of Novelty Press's Blue Bolt comics in uh, 1943. Hey, Paul, you're breaking up again. Hello. 
For next yeah. time, I think I'm going to have to Did switch the computers around. Use the faster one to uh, Skype. And... We lost you, Paul. I'm here. Okay, we didn't get that yeah, last well, part. We, the last minute or so, we lost a view. So. Okay, well, on the on the the recording, I'm I'm recording. My my voice is going indirect, so it'll uh, it'll all be there. But uh, just to um, in 1941, he designed an airplane that resembled the space shuttle, and uh, eventually showed a model of it and some blueprints and uh, uh, to uh, Grumman Air aircraft executives. Anyway, he was drafted shortly after and was actually assigned to the graphic arts office in the Pentagon during much of World War II. And he would draw war posters and produce them in silkscreen. Then he was assigned to the adjutant general's office working on illustrations for U.S. Army training materials. Now, if I remember correctly, Will Eisner used to do a lot of that as well. Um, well, I think a lot of artists, and I know that in World War II, they... Um, the Department of Defense took over the Disney Studios out in California. Right, yeah. And all they did for the longest time was war films oh, and yeah, um, propaganda and and paintings and all this stuff, you know, to support the war effort. But that's what everyone did mm -hmm. back then. It's not like, you know, our situation is today where the country's kind of polarized about the the issues that we have right now. It was, this is obviously something evil that has to be taken care of now. And, you know, that was a totally different situation. Yeah. Everyone kicked in back then. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and actually, that, that, that brings up something else I want to I wanna discuss, and I'll just finish off with, uh, with the uh, bio of uh, Al Plastino. Um, anyway, in 1948, he showed a sample of Superman art to DC Comics, and they offered him $35 a page. And um, he'd heard that Superman artists were receiving a $55 a page uh, rate, so he negotiated a $50 rate, which was pretty high for a beginning comic artist at the time. So he dropped most of his other commercial work for two decades. And um, early on at DC, he was actually forced to copy Wayne Boring's style until the editors got comfortable with his, with his style. And he did 48 Superman covers as well as countless stories during his career. Uh, since retiring, he's actually focused more on uh, on painting. Uh, another interesting thing, actually, in the early '80s, he actually had was commissioned to write and draw a years worth of peanut strips just in case Charles Schultz became ill. Now I don't know whether or not any of those were published, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Wow, kind of a cartoonist understudy. Yeah, well, and and actually, he did Sunday episodes of Nancy in 1983 after the death of uh, of creator Ernie Bush Bushmiller. So, so there you go. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up actually was you you mentioned about the you know the changing attitudes over over the years, and I think that's one of the great things about the Legion and and just sort of getting back to the whole you know why we're all fans of the Legion and and that kind of thing, is that. The world is very different from ours, and it's more than just the technological differences. So, when you guys want to want to talk about that a bit, well, well, sure. I, I, mean, I, I think I, I think the Legion is is one of the few futures that we have in pop culture, be it books or movies or whatever that shows everyone basically getting along with each other for the most part. I, I think we see a lot of dystopic futures where 
you know, aliens are coming to, you know, kill all humans or humans are acting like the aggressors and killing all aliens. And the Legion shows that all these different worlds, all these different life forms and beings can actually coexist and do some good. Now, there's always going to be evil to combat. I think that would be unrealistic to say, you know, there is none. But I think it's really important to have some kind of optimistic outlook about the future because when you look at some of the other movies and some of the other books that are out there, you ha they use them as allegories for everything from overpopulation to famine to war and, and nuclear wasteland. I mean, how many of pop future are there? You could probably name 10 just off the top of your head. Oh, yeah. And the Legion gives us a way to say, look, we're not going to blow ourselves all up. We're actually going to survive all this, and our uh, descendants are actually going to be the better for it. Definitely. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, you got the you know, Legion future is the bright future. And, you know, DC always seemed to have a more broader future for most of your, uh, for their comics. Whereas Marvel was more, a little bit more darker for the future. I think, you know, yeah, uh, I think Silver look, Age DC just always had that, that a far more optimistic outlook. I'd agree with that. And, and, you know, that's kind of reflected in that. I mean, it was, it, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, and I, I think part of that stems from the fact that a lot of these guys were early um, sci-fi writers. And it was all about, you know, the the hope for the future. And, uh, and and hope is a pretty big word in the Legion world because it's all about that that hope and that that idealism. Uh, you know, and it's that idealism that gets a whole bunch of kids with superpowers to to form their little superhero club and save the universe, you know, thousands of times over. Now, what I found out about, what I kind of discovered myself with the Legion is uh, when it first started, it was basically Superboy. He'd go to the future, like, say, like you go and you visit some family. You go there for a little bit, you visit them, then you come back home. And you don't really know what happened between each visit. Then, after a while, it started getting more, the Legion starts getting become a little bit more popular. So you get to see more and more what's happening between the visits of Superboy to the point where uh, Superboy is no longer the main part. It's the Legion who's the main Instead of uh, mm -hmm. you visiting some friends or family, you're there permanently, and Superboy comes to visit you. Yeah. So you yeah. don't, you know, it's you're on the other side now. So you know, visit, you know, like you're Superboy visiting. Now you're the Legion, and Superboy comes to visit you. To the point where now, I mean, you could have a uh, kind of like little small stories where they go. Uh, out on a date or something, you know, some legionnaires go out on a date or something like that, <laughs> or just, you know, some have to go out to eat, you know, some little small thing compared to it used to be, it's like all you got was uh, the universe is in peril, only the legion can save us. Yeah. That's what I think really got uh, people, you know, to keep going back to the legion is when they uh, got to the point where you always saw the legion instead of just once in a while. Yeah, I'm, I mean, well, how many, you know, sort of, because really, you know, these guys were basically a plot device for, for a single story, and that was really the, that was really it for them. 
you know, as it was planned. And it, the response was great. And so a year later, well over a year later, they, they put out another story. And, um, and, and it's just interesting that these guys who were basically throwaway characters just to exist in that one story, um, basically ended up, you know, surpassing and in many cases taking over, you know, it was like they took over, um, uh, adventure comics from Supergirl, I believe, cause I think she was the lead feature before that. No, uh, Superboy was the lead feature. Oh, okay. And, uh, Legion and then mm-hmm. Supergirl took over the lead feature from the Legion. Oh, okay, fair enough. At the time, didn't want to deal with the lead then at all. There's too many characters. Right. And then they go to uh, action comics. Yeah. But it it brings us back to everyone's frustration with the Legion is, oh, my God, how many characters are here? This is too much. It's too much continuity. Oh, my God, what's going to happen here? And, And I think we can really serve a good purpose to just boil it down to what everyone needs to know and needs to care about. Absolutely. And I, th- and and I think really simplify it. And I think we've given them the basics on on the first three Legionnaires and we'll be able to flesh that out a little bit more as we as we sort of go forward. But but ideally what we want to do is we want to present the characters in a context where it's like, you know, and what I'll what I'll do is in the show notes, I'll actually list the specific Legionnaires that we talk about. So, you know, later on someone can say, OK, I need to find out about Chameleon Boy. And OK, that's in episode five or, or whatever, wherever it ends up. And, um, you know, just as a just as a sort of a way for people to sort of learn, you know, sort of where it fits in. And I'm sure we've thrown out a lot of stuff out there, but really the whole thing comes down to it's this superhero club in the future in um, in, in a world, you know, much more together than the one in which we live. And um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on, a lot of characters. But, um, you know, really, once you once you get to know it, it it's you know, it's it's pretty it's it's not nearly so complex. Now, are you wanting to go like issue by issue? Or do we just kind of uh, hit a few issues and kind of skim over a little bit like we did this first issue? Or are we kind of hitting all over the place? Well, we kind of hit all over the place this time. We'll probably, re- re- I mean, because we were just kind of talking introductory and, and that sort of thing. But we'll probably, uh, you know, get into more, just sort of stick with the, uh, let, let's let's do the chronological story so it gives people sort of a, a point of view. But more importantly, it's it's about talking about the characters. Okay. Now, I do have one, just one little quick thing before we uh, yeah. go any farther. This is something I kind of noticed uh, a while back. On the uh, 247, page five, look on like the first panel. Who does you, who does the teacher remind you of? Hang on a sec. As Paul and I are scrambling for our copies, <laughs> Perry White. <laughs> Do you have color, are you using uh, color copies or black and white copies? Oh, hang on. Let me uh, pull the color copy out. Yeah, it's Perry White. Well, you're talking about the. Yep. Yeah. The, the teacher looks very Perry Whitish. And I say, you know, couple, you know, just a couple little things I noticed. The page before that, in page four, the Jules Verne satellite tour. Yes. Big old ball. Then, of course, you have the ice cream parlor. You know, like, we don't even have them now. <laughs> and in panel three, you have the home of the Kents, wedged in between a couple of factories. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the uh, they've got this whole big ice cream parlor, which is apparently 
the same old. He says, oh, how the old ice cream parlor has changed. It's like, yeah, they just kind of renovated. Like it's been an ice cream parlor continuously, you know. For thousands and the guy behind the counter is is dressed like a soda jerk from the fifties. <laughs> right. And he even has the handle and everything for uh drinks. Yeah. Like you'd find an old ice cream parlor. Nine and if you look to that, you got uh, little containers for ice cream. Yeah. Nine delicious flavors from nine planets. So apparently, uh, you know, it's either chocolate or vanilla from Earth, and that's it. <laughs> Baskin Robbins didn't succeed to the 30th century, apparently. <laughs> well, they were like, 31 flavors is just too much. It's too many decisions to make. No, no. <laughs> and the ice cream is er, out of this world. Yum. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> and, and wait, here it is. My home with Dad and Mom Kent is preserved as a shrine. What an honor. Choke. I love yeah, they that. choked a lot. Man, they? I love that. They, it was either a choke or a sob. True. Okay, now, True. now take a look. See, on page five, second to last panel, when they're looking through the viewer. Yeah. At this uh, ship dredging up the, uh, the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Doesn't that look just like a regular ocean liner, but with a an arm sticking out for it. It looks like a 1950s ocean liner with a bulldozer part attached to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, wouldn't they have <laughs> underwater ships easily to go down? <laughs> the Aquaman's descendants wouldn't allow it. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, the world of the future really did... Um... It really did change uh, when it when it got uh, you know as as the stories went on even through the adventure run, but you know it, it made quantum leaps from uh, if you just look from uh, say the uh, what was it? the when Joe Stanton was on the book around issue two fifty and up, um, you know when by, by the time it got to to Broderick and then Giffen, I mean the world underwent you know so many so many huge changes. Yeah, I, I think once we started talking about Dave Cockrum and Mike Grell's work, and then we go forward from there, that's really when you get a more of a of what we would call, I guess, a modern interpretation of the future. Yes, right. Where things where things become more streamlined, and there's less of these. Everything becomes smooth, and there there's no, you know, it looks more like what we've imagined today as like a Star Wars future would be. Yes. Than 1950s dressed up. <laughs> like future time. Well, I think the Superboy becomes Superboy and the Legion from 197 Superboy. Yeah. On mm-hmm. is where the popularity of the Legion really hit, because that's where you know the Legion was uh, more prominent than those that never were, you know, in adventure comics. Because in adventure comics, there's a lot of short stories. Yes. I mean, I go through. Yeah, you know, I got the the archives, and you can just read. Yeah, you know, the first archives is mostly just appearances here and there. I mean, you don't even have the the series. I mean, let me go to the table of contents someplace. I ever find it. Okay. There are twenty stories of the Legion in the first archives. Right, and, and most is, of them are like between twelve and sixteen pages. And uh, most of them goes all the way up there until you have. You know, like here, Adventure Comics 300. You got 
You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen stories before you had their series starting. Yeah. In Adventure Comics. So I mean like I said, in Adventure Comics, I mean, it took a while before the popularity really started going good. I mean, before you started having any uh continuity really going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good four years. I think really that all kind of started when Shooter came in. Right, and he didn't hit it for quite a while. Yeah. Although he started off pretty big, so but we'll get it. We'll get into that when we get to that point. Yeah, that's but, the way he's off. Exactly, but uh, okay. So so I think we're we're at about an hour twelve. So I, I'd say we're probably probably pretty good for a first episode, and we'll uh, we'll talk we'll <laughs> we'll talk more Legion uh, next week. So uh, signing off and heading back into the 21st century, I'm Paul. I'm Rick. I'm Darren. And we need to give them our uh, email address. Oh, that's right. You can uh, contact us at legionofsubstitutepodcasters at gmail.com. And um, if all goes well, you'll be able to, uh, to visit our site at Legion of Substitute Podcasters.com. I'll, I'll get that all locked down today before we put this out, before everybody else is leaping on that <laughs> obviously very common domain name. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> Sorry? And how often will we be coming out? You know, will they be able to download us every well, week? Hopefully. Let's uh, let's let's shoot for at least every two weeks and uh, see how we can do for, uh, you know, maybe we can uh, sort of once once we sort of get into more of a planning groove, then then maybe we can do a once a week. We're substitute podcasters. We don't need to be professional at this. (laughs) Absolutely. Anyway, um, long live the Legion and all that. And we're out for this week. Woohoo.